0: How are you feeling now that we have finally we've not got a win to talk about this is the first rank cast of the season where we haven't had a win to talk
1: about basil basil <laughs> let's just not talk about the germans or, or the swiss in fact that was really bizarre wasn't it gary neville at barl basil barl you know whatever you want to pronounce it is definitely not basil
0: my favourite line of the night was definitely Basil's court. Basil looks really dangerous on the wing, or, or maybe it was they look very dangerous going forward. Anyway, one or the other and I was just thinking, I wonder if Sybil knows about this. It, at half time the producer had a word because he started to say Basil. I wonder if it's a, a thing where, you know, like he thinks if you say Basil, that's like saying Bath. And it's unacceptably southern in
1: pronunciation. Yeah, could could well be, yeah. I, I thought he did alright, actually. To about 70 minutes, perfectly neutral, very complimentary about Basil's play up to that point. And then the excitement crept in, you know, the drama of the game, his voice went an octave higher, he was struggling to control himself. There was a proper
0: squeaky crack at one point, wasn't there, in his voice. He wanted us to nick the win.
1: So I mean I get I guess before uh, we talk FC Basel in the Champions League we also to cover the Stoke game which was a stack game as I like to call stack, it stack stack yeah well a complete complete contrast a, a draw uh, I I suppose but uh, pretty awful game all in all not not only United's performance which which was you know, alright for about 15 minutes but the, the just general quality of the player no one likes watching Stoke right it's become a cliche and I, in fact I said on the pod last week they play some decent football too which they do about in the last third it's the rest of the pitch which is pretty awful
0: yeah I mean I guess we can't really talk about this game without talking about the whole Stoke art. is the way they play tough but fair or is it a bunch of violent thuggery
1: Yes, well, it bordered on the violent thuggery at times. And I thought there was a pretty shocking challenge very early in the match, which which uh, could have brought more than a yellow card. Uh, obviously, there was the, the tackle from behind. Uh, may have got some of the ball, but, you know, pundits out there might have oh, caught on to the fact that when you take the man out too, it is a foul. And, uh, yeah,
0: if you if the man has got his legs, if you're getting the ball through his legs, doesn't matter if you touch his legs or not, if you're going through his his legs and he's in front of you, you, that's a foul right you just cleaned him out yeah, and yeah. uh, uh,
1: Chicharito has a dead leg as a result, and and missed the missed the game in midweek, and and uh, you know may or may not make make the Norwich game at the weekend. But yeah, yeah, obvious penalty, uh, you know, almost certainly a red card, and uh, yeah, what was that three or four minutes into the game would would have changed the nature of the game completely. Instead, you know, are they United scored, allowed Stoke back into the game by not really taking control at times when United played their game with a high tempo passing game, United were to on top but when we, we kind of you know, sunk back into our timid shell that happened so often away from home last season Stoke were allowed to start applying pressure then then, then Stoke came back into the game
0: so I missed this one this is the first game of the season that I haven't watched I watched the match of the day highlights and I couldn't bring myself to get a copy and watch the whole game because a 1-1 battling draw away at Stoke just doesn't seem like that a particularly entertaining prospect when you know how it's going to finish I did see I think it was Patrice Evra being kind of basically 360 roundhouse kicked uh, at one point and just being sent spinning like he was a character in a video game from a tackle. But it... I, I hear that Berbatov did not have a good game at all that's what I heard. No
1: he didn't I mean obviously he's nice on the ball and all of that uh, which you expect from Berbatov but he just he he didn't he doesn't get involved in play he he slowed it down when he did get the ball. He, United needed to up the tempo in that game in order to take the game away from Stoke and, and it just didn't happen. It, it wasn't one of his better games and I guess what do you expect? The guy's barely played he obviously needs a bit more time to get in the rhythm of things, and and if you take the last sort of six months as a whole, he's hardly had any playing time at all. Yeah,
0: no, absolutely, it's 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 kind of unfair to expect him to come into the side and perform I think really uh given given how how little football he's had but of course people say oh you say that was a 30 million pound player should be able to come you know into the side at any point but it's not his fault that he costs that much Not whatever your job is if you've hardly had to do it for the last six months you're probably not going to be able to just come back to work the next day and be really good at it all of a sudden well
1: maybe but, but you know that's him as well he he's uh he's not an impact player so which I, I thought was kind of amusing uh, being brought on late in the game against uh, FC Basel to, to try and rescue it for us because uh, that's his forte right
0: I mean I, I I love Dimitar Berbatov as I've made very clear but I just have no there's no sense of excitement and oh here we go you know when he comes on actually when Nani came on against Basel there was that little kind of oh maybe something's going to happen now and, and of course he did make something happen with a really spectacular cross he scored a brilliant goal against Stoke as well still on
1: fire yeah stunning stunning goal that was yeah it's a superb quality just to 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 beat the in and lashed the ball in I mean yeah that's we just see it so often don't we it's so often from from nanny now that, that you, you we're almost be, yeah you know, becoming expectant of it
0: yeah and and the the way he took his cross we're kind of mixing the two games but it, you know there's, there's there's a reason that we're doing that there was a lot of crossover really but the the way he he took his cross first time incredibly unfussy precision delivery to Ashley young it was 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 fantastic to see actually um there has been less frustration uh, in his game recently, although I'm sure that will come because he did have golden period last season as well earlier in the season and then dropped off a little bit so it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out for him Michael Owen on the on the pod last week you said the thing about Michael Owen is it's all very well scoring goals against Leeds but when he's up against decent defences he looks right off the pace and uh, that's what happened against Stoke
1: really isn't it oh he was he was so far off the pace he just he didn't he didn't look anywhere near in the game he made no impact at all he he, he let the ball bounce off him. He, he wasn't quick enough to react. He wasn't making the right runs. I know I know there, there are two sides, two polarised sides of the Michael Owen debate often. And the, the one that says, he's a former Liverpool player. He shouldn't be anywhere near United. Get rid of him now. And then there's the one, he's got a great goal scoring record. Look, he's got 11 in 12 starts for United or, or whatever it is. And, and the truth, of course, as always, is somewhere in between. The fact is that the vast majority of those goals he scored for United have come, against either lower league opposition or or the opposition that that is in trouble at the bottom of the premier league and and that's that's just the purpose he serves when when we're starting him in a difficult game and we spoke about how you know difficult it could be at the britannia given they have got draws with liverpool well beat liverpool and, and drew chelsea recently uh, and then then there's something wrong and obviously it was due to injuries and and all of that but he just didn't have the the impact that that you'd hope
0: and another person who's had a difficult couple of games is our boy phil jones i think all three of our signings in the summer have really generated a kind of instant popularity amongst United fans that there's been a lot of support for Decaya, part of part of that obviously being a kind of siege mentality thing against the the way his first couple of games went and he certainly looked a lot more assured as the season has started to develop. Ashley Young has taken to the United shirt fantastically Champions League debut goal and just been very effective giving us loads of balance and and really popular with the fans already but I don't think any of them have quite hit the heights of popularity as the man that's been compared to a young Duncan Edwards uh, Phil Jones fantastic against Basel around the edge of their 18 yard box not so good around the edge of our 18 yard box had an absolute stinker but of course central
1: defenders at the age of 19 that is going to happen isn't it yeah yeah he, di- he didn't have a good game I mean he, he was uh, taken out of position a few times I-, I, ha- I have to say he wasn't given any protection by the two central midfielders in front of him at all and, and that didn't help I mean I-, I I wouldn't say he had a bad game against Stoke by any means I mean some of the surging runs forward and his uh, ability to make that extra man in midfield were were fantastic and he-, he just looks you know so comfortable on the ball lost his man for the Crouch goal uh, got the wrong side of Crouch and allowed to Crouch to score which is clearly a mistake uh, I, think- I think there's Everything in in the the player to say he's going to be a defender of the very highest order for United and a and, yeah, ball playing one at that and uh, and we shouldn't worry too much if if so, you know sometimes there are poor performances Basel not great a lot of that to do with the very open nature of United's setup uh, Stoke made a mistake for the goal so we'll see I mean if if he goes on run a run of five six bad games then we can talk about uh, the work that has to be done with him in the training ground for now I not worried at all I think he's a fantastic player and he's going to be a great player for United for the next decade.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I completely agree with that. I just I just think it was noteworthy that he had a kind of very inexperienced performance. Let's talk about that Basel game in some depth because it was an absolutely extraordinary affair. 3 all against the Swiss champions, 2-0 uh, up. Um, I mean, they had created... Couple of chances and some half chances, and by half plenty t- of chances. By ha- yeah. no, I mean by the time we were two 0 up, but, but yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Yeah, by the time we were two nil up, by the, yeah. by half time it could have been four two to them quite easily in terms of really guilt edged chances they created. Their finishing was appalling in the first half, but but they they found their shooting boots in the second half and started putting those chances away. And uh, once we conceded that penalty and went three two down, you felt it was coming. I I really thought United looked complacent. Actually,
1: it's a it's a horrible word to use, isn't it? Against United because I mean in Gary Neville uh, in his his commentary for Sky was insistent that United are never complacent about games of this nature and they do their preparation but on the pitch it it felt like the players were coasting through it didn't it yeah it did and the the
0: passing was sloppy the positioning was sloppy it, it felt like not enough respect was afforded to the damage that Bale could do to. To United going forward. So
1: there you go. You've got them: Basel, 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 Basel. I, I
0: went with Basel on purpose. I, I, I was sticking with Basel out of respect for Gary Neville, having read red over the weekend. But but no, I
1: I, I think it is Basel, right? That's what how you're supposed to say. Yeah. It. FC Basel. Well, right. Depends whether you're, you're giving it in the the German or the French tongue. Uh, right. It? Yeah. I guess so.
0: Basler in French, if you pronounce it as it's written. Anyway, whatever they they were. They were decent going forward, but, but we just gave... we would. I mean, we've talked about how open United have been this season, but that was just beyond a joke. A back, a back yeah. four of Fabio, Jones, Ferdinand and Evra on paper looks like it should be perfectly functional. But I think they probably all had bad games. Fabio maybe be the, the least susceptible to criticism after the game uh, out of the four of them. Evra just looked decent going forward, but terrible defensively. Rio looked, I don't know... Two or three yards off the pace, he, he just did not look himself. Uh, and Jones was, was just marauded more often than was entirely sensible under the circumstances. I think you look at Rio next to you and you think, OK, well I'm safe to go off marauding for a bit because there's good cover here. But if Rio's having a, a bad game, that's that's going to cause a lot of problems. Especially, as you say, the, the
1: central midfield offering... Very little defensively. Well, nothing, nothing. Yeah, um, well, well, we'll see with Rio. He's been in and out because of injury, so he's had he's had two games now. So hopefully, I mean, if he plays against Norwich, it, he 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 will be back so a bit more like his normal self as long as he's not injured again. Because it has been the pattern: play two injured, you know, out for a couple of games, and then he's back again. So uh, we'll see. Um, I mean, fort- fortunately, Norwich is followed by the international break, so there's there's uh, the Norwich game which you'd expect, and we'll come on to that later. But uh, you'd expect United to win. Uh, at Old Trafford at uh, a two week international break and then Liverpool and that's the big game doesn't look like Nemanja Vidic will be back for it but hopefully everyone else is fit uh, and uh, Smalling will be back by then and Evans should be back and, and Ferguson will have a more you know greatest selection of defenders to choose from and can pick the, the guys that are in form
0: yeah I mean I, I, I was having some discussions with people at work today about whether actually I mean I, I was saying Rio always takes a little while to get back from injury it always takes him a while to settle in again and they were saying, Yeah, but you know, the longer the older he gets, you know, it's it's gonna take longer or it's gonna be he's gonna be less effective when he's coming back from injury, I think. Still relatively early in the season and you'd be completely crazy to Right, Rio off uh, a player of his class.
1: Oh no, he's, he's still going to be yeah, he's still going to be a vitally important player for United. I mean, I mean, we we, we talked about the, the midfield given no protection, and it's uh, it's an interesting debate this one because uh, I I guess in that midfield two of Anderson and Carrick, Carrick's the guy who has to give the protection. He, and he wasn't getting into those defensive spaces yesterday for whatever reason. Maybe he's just having an off the game or something. But uh, if Anderson of that pair was the was the attacking creative one, he gave away the ball constantly. Uh, actually, Carrick didn't. There were some wonderful uh, stats that uh, at Awate91 sent me uh, on Carrick's passing percentage uh, against Basel, which was something like 98%. And, and a, a significant, significant number of forward passes. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the myth is not true. He does pass the ball forward, although I suspect those, can, uh, those include the ones he passed to himself. Right. Well, that surely can't count. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But but the point about Anderson is true. I mean, uh, when, when uh, given the burden of being the creative hub in the centre of midfield, he, he starts giving the ball away. Fact. 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 He just does. It is fact. <laughs> Giggsy had a weird game, contributed, but looked. I don't know. Well, he's thirty. He's thirty-seven. I mean, he look. He, he can't. He can't bomb up and down the wing, can he? I mean, it's uh, it's ridiculous to ask him to do that. So he, he sort of played in the hole. I, I wondered whether Giggs or Young would don't do that. Just no. Look, just stop there. I. Merely mused before the game whether Giggs or Young would be playing in the hole, uh, with Wellbeck leading the line, and then most people came back and said, "Oh, it'll be Young." But in the end, it was uh, it was Giggs who did the role, and to some effect. That was you kept that
0: incredibly clean. I'm impressed. Y- Young uh, didn't have a brilliant game, but but. Um definitely offered stuff going forward and a, and a really good well taken goal and I liked his little response of instinctively go off to celebrate suddenly realize you're a man United player and you better keep playing and see if you can try and win uh, with a few minutes left uh, and we might have uh, we might have won was it were it not for some brilliant defensive work by the referee
1: yeah who kept getting in the way <laughs> ridiculously so a lot I think t- two two
0: key attacks were broken down by the referee getting in the way
1: M- mind you, you know, four or five key attacks were broken down by Park getting in the way of himself <laughs> <laughs> I, he did
0: he did make a difference when he came on though he, he did spread a kind of sureness uh, throughout the team I felt a little bit although then he ran the ball into some defenders a bit at not that higher pace but then it always looked like any second now something amazing could happen like he could you know hit one off the outside of his boot that kind of trickled into the near post or whatever. You know, his finishing always looks slightly odd, doesn't it? Uh, but but yeah, in the end I guess it was good that we got a point instead of no points. Not an ideal result by any stretch of the imagination, but, but just a very, very peculiar match. And, and having read uh, Red over the weekend, one of the things that struck me about this result is you know Gary Neville talked about the times when the kids, the class of 92, did get taken to school and they were really inconsistent. You know, there they were Times when they did struggle, and there was some some talk on Twitter just this morning about the the fact that we are building a young side, and that does just inherently mean there'll be inconsistencies.
1: Uh, well, maybe. Hey, look, let, let's be realistic about though this though. I mean, yeah, yes, uh, yeah, Jones, inexperienced, nineteen-year-old. Yes, Fabio's inexperienced, twenty-year-old. Rio Ferdinand's no experience there, ever no experience there. Cross midfield you've got young who's now 26 Valencia's 25 26 had plenty of games Michael Carrick's in his 30s now and Anderson has been at the club four years and played over 150 games for the club no inexperience there gigs 487 (laughs) definitely no inexperience there Uh, this was not a a team full of 20 year olds yes there there was a smattering but also some very experienced guys there who who perhaps should have put a better performance in against let's let Let's be honest, Swiss champions, but nothing special as a side.
0: No, oh, you're absolutely right. I'm just looking for a bit of a silver lining, really. Uh, I guess a silver lining could be found in the performance of Danny Welbeck, playing very well as the one up front in a sort
1: of 4-5-1-4. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure I ever remembered Welbeck leading the line on his own before. He, he didn't really do that at Sunderland. He, he always played in a two or played wide, and, and he did, I thought he did very well. His movement's very good. Um, when he's played with Rooney early in the season, he sometimes dropped back, and Rooney sometimes dropped back, and they interchanged, and that was, you know, it was great to see that they to have a nice understanding of when to do that uh, but he, he uh, and, and Ferguson actually criticised Welbeck after the Tottenham game didn't he and and said I mean maybe not directly criticised him but said we needed some more presence up front and maybe that penny dropped with Welbeck because I, I think he did give some presence up front to United and, and scuffed finish for the first uh, off his left foot off his right foot uh, left foot off his right foot uh, but, uh, but a fine you know confident finish for the second and and how can you argue with two, two goals on your Champions League debut?
0: Yeah absolutely and spread the ball around really nicely as well and held the ball up well as well I thought um, interesting because we don't necessarily yes. have I mean you know even Rooney in a 4-5-1 sometimes looks a little cut adrift and you know it's a very difficult role to play that fulcrum of that kind of attack so it was it was good to see him do that effectively to, another potential silver lining on the night although this is definitely in the realm of schadenfreude is our old friend Carlos Tevez we all sang Fergie sign him up at one point probably quite a good job Fergie did not sign him up given that he's currently refusing to play at all Carlos Tevez what do you make of all that kind of nonsense from across town quite
1: unbelievable i mean I, it, there's there's some tragic comedy in it of course because because it's manchester city and they just always appear to serve this up but but what what is up with this fella, I mean, he's caused trouble at every single club he's ever been at, and and maybe it's people behind the scenes, maybe it's just the attitude of the kid, and I I don't know, but he's been shipped around like a, the modern day football slave. Uh, of course, that's an insult to slaves because he earns a quarter of a million pounds a week. But behind the scenes, you always felt there was somebody saying, "All right, it's about time you started agitating for a move." Uh, and he did it at West Ham, he did it at United, and now he's been. doing Doing it in Manchester City for the last six months or so, uh, pretending that it's about his family who um, who apparently can't settle in Manchester well in fact went back to Argentina and, and he couldn't quite work out that Milan is actually slightly further away from Buenos Aires than Manchester and that as an aside it's all come to a head now with this apparent refusal to play uh, to come onto the pitch he's denied it in a statement saying that wasn't true at all and he's always given 100% commitment to the club and the fans know that which is clearly a PR prepared statement because as we know Carlos Tevez doesn't speak a word of English after six years in the country
0: yeah and really I'm pretty sure the line he's using is I didn't hear Mancini say he wanted me to go on the pitch. Not entirely convinced that's
1: going to wash. You, yeah, really, seriously. As an excuse, oh, sorry, I didn't hear you, boss. When <laughs> you know, when he's saying, yeah, right, you're coming, and and Mancini's had to make a last-minute change. Mancini said in his press conference that he brought De Jong on to settle things down for five minutes then the plan was always to bring Tevez on there's no way you can you can be on a football bench and not have the message conveyed that you're on next son get warmed up and apparently he just refused to go and get warmed up I mean what's going on in a player's
0: mind at that point I mean that this surely is gross misconduct and you terminate his contract I mean
1: surely that's well in in any in any other profession if you just said no I'm not going to that Meeting. i don't want to go to that meeting i do you yeah. i should have been in should be invited to that meeting to start with why, why are you inviting me now i'm not going to do it yeah. you'd be fired right any other profession but but the insanity of football and of course the economics of it and all that i mean i suppose manchester city could fire him for gross misconduct keep his registration and then try and sue him like much like chelsea did with adrian mutu i think i think the circumstance is very different obviously mutu did something illegal Colas tevis hasn't exactly done that
0: no he hasn't it's You know, City, for all how impressive they've looked, there is always that concern hanging over their squad that they're not going to be able to gel into a squad. And and actually, you know, it's all... Very hilarious for us looking across town. At, uh, very nice of Man City to keep us off the back pages this morning with a, a display even more outlandishly ridiculous than ours. Because ours was just on the pitch, and theirs was a sort of soap opera off the pitch. But actually, it'd do their squad the world of good to lose Tevez. You imagine because
1: he cannot be improving the atmosphere at that club. Oh no, I, I think, I think Graham Sunnis is right in, in, in this. They need to just get rid. And I mean, they, they, they were holding out for. The, the kind of fee that they paid for him which was 47 and a bit million pounds in, in the in one of the most insane transfer fees ever and that, that's what they paid plenty of evidence documented evidence for that now and they were holding out to try and get that back and uh, and that's why he didn't he didn't make the move anywhere this summer and and you'd have to say after the latest antics uh, he could his transfer fee is hardly going to have gone up so they may well have to bite the bullet in january and, and take a lower fee in order to get him out of the club because yeah he'll be causing loads of problems loads and loads of problems. It's not like they even need him now, given that Aguero started the season in such great form. Although, having said that, of course, there was uh, the the subplot to this, Eden Zecco throwing his top down and storming off to the dressing rooms uh, after being substituted. Uh, uh, another ego flaring up at Manchester City. Yeah, and
0: and that's what is always going to happen when all you really have to offer players is huge amounts of money, because... You don't necessarily have all the other components of of a, a club on a global stage, and that that's really not a dig. I don't mean that as a dig at all. It sounds like a bit of a snide remark, but I don't mean it like that at all. Uh, the whole thing with Tevez is kind of sad, really. More more than anything else, it's the, it's completely ridiculous. The 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 man clearly has an incredible talent, but it is just sabotages his position everywhere he goes and, you know, the, the situation with his kids and all that kind of stuff and whether he's using them as an excuse as people say or, you know, whether he really is in kind of a pretty pretty bad state because of his family situation it's really really unfortunate Car- the carlos mm. tevez saga and you know as, as just as a human being end up wishing wishing him well and hope he can find some peace and happiness at some point in his life you know because he's obviously severely lacking that. well
1: yeah graham soonest called him a monster which was which was kind of mean no way to talk about the disabled
0: united are playing against norwich at the weekend now, surely, surely we'll beat Norwich at home.
1: Well, Norwich, the great Norwich, you beat Bayern Munich in 1993. I remember that game, the, yeah, the drama, and, and then you know, a few years later, Delia.
0: Let's have it. Let's have it with you let's have it with you that's not what she said let's be having you that's what she said no she was talking about pudding let's have pudding with you um, no she said let's be having you come on we need a 12th man let's be having you you,
1: you wouldn't mind a bit of Dee Lee's apple pie though would you Defensive. if she puts eggs in it, because I don't eat eggs. I, 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 su- I suspect she will not be invading the pitch at Old Trafford, and I suspect United will be out for a very healthy win. Although, uh, there are still a number of players out injured, so uh, it doesn't look like Smalling will be back. Obviously, Raphael's a- out for ages. Uh, viditch is still out with his shoulder problem. Rooney, Hernandez both touch and go and uh, we'll see whether either of those make it and cleverly still out so there's quite a number and no it could be up to seven players out again for United so it'll be interesting to see what permutation Ferguson can pull out of that Assuming uh, Rooney and Hernandez neither of them are fit, what would
0: you do? Would you go four four two and play Welbeck and Berbatov, or would you do that sort of four five one four three three thing and play Welbeck up front on his own? Given Berbatov's complete
1: lack of form recently, well, there are some more options. I mean, given he probably won't play gigs twice in in three days, I, I, I think the, the other option, of course, is to do to do what we all talked about when when young. John in the club that he's flexible and can play on either flank and, and could play in the middle and he could play young through the middle and on the left and Valencia wide right uh, all supporting back in a very fluid and flexible front four. Uh, what what he does in the central midfield would be interesting I, I wonder whether he might bring Fletcher back into it and uh, Anderson has had a Bad few games. Bad in the second half against Chelsea. Bad against Stoke. Terrible against Basel. And and uh, all that great form of uh, the the um, early part of the season seems to have been lost. It's the old Anderson problem of inconsistency. So I wonder whether Fletcher might come back into it or not. And but there there are plenty of options for Ferguson. Even if there are loads of uh, loads of injuries. And and look, whoever we put out at uh, Norwich. Okay, they got their their first win of the season against Sunderland on Monday night. But seriously, if there's a if There's a team in worse form than Sunderland. Uh, I'd like to know who they are. and I'd like to be playing them on Saturday because uh, Sunderland are a real mess under Steve Bruce at the moment and and Norwich doing okay, but nothing really more than that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I kind of hope he doesn't play Nani on the left and Young in the middle and Valencia on the right because you're then playing Young and Nani in positions they haven't really been playing this season and Young didn't look particularly... Exciting through the middle for England when he played there behind Rooney. Although, you know, the caveat of that is that that's for England, so it doesn't count. So I, I would kind of, I would fear, especially if he plays Fletcher, Carrick, and then those three behind Welbeck, I would really fear a kind of somewhat disjointed performance under those circumstances. But you're right, I mean, with the greatest of all possible respect, it is only Norwich. Um, They, they shouldn't, you know, they're not in the same... Class as Manchester United, obviously. So hopefully a, a disjointed performance will be good enough. But what what's sort of a bit sad really is it was all very exciting. We were playing four four two with Cleverly and, and, and an effective Anderson and Rooney and Cecherito up front and Nani on the right and Young on the left. It was all the, you know it all feels like a long time ago now. But I'm sure it'll be you know everyone will come back from injury and and it'll be there'll be that sort of performance again. And our, our swashbuckling will be backed up by some more competent defending
1: look nothing nothing wrong with the reality check this is not a united side that went from being a little bit mundane last season to being world beaters overnight even though we had loads of young exciting players there there are still some weaknesses in this united squad loads and loads to be excited about too and at the moment we've had a couple of not so great games who knows we we may spank norwich uh heavily on on saturday that would be very nice indeed and give us all a good feeling going into the international break when we have to suffer the boredom of England and European qualification, and uh, which I think I called uh, bromidic in one piece this week, which which for me sums up European football in one. Uh, I, I'm not looking forward to the international break at all. I am looking forward to Liverpool after that. They say so at least that gives us some hope.
0: I might try and find an interesting looking game to watch out of the international fixtures because I'm dying to revitalize my love for international football. I think I think what I need to do is watch some African games or some South American games because it's it's really European football. That that's uh, that's upsetting me. Uh, well, really, it's just England mostly, <laughs> more than anything else. So I just find a way of watching a game that England are not involved in. I am not watching England over this international break. That's an absolute cast-iron guarantee. Um, I think that we're probably going to take an international break next week, our first one of the season. Uh, but we will be back uh, to look forward to the Liverpool game, which I'm sure we're already looking forward to. And hopefully, we'll be talking about a squad with uh, a lot more people for Fergie to choose from. So, uh what do you think
1: the score's going to be against Norwich? Oh, I, I think it's going to be a comfortable win. So I'm going to say 3-1. You're not predicting a clean sheet. I'm not. I, look, there's no point anymore. We keep shipping goals. 3-1. Three, 3-1. Three, one, three, one.
0: All right. Well, I am going to predict I don't know. The, the pessimist in me kind of want to say wants to say 2-0, but I don't listen to the pessimist in me. So I'm going to say 3-0. I'm I'm I am going to predict predict that clean sheet because
1: well well whatever, whatever whatever it is Delia Smith Alan Partridge your boys are going to take one hell of a beating and
0: Stephen Fry
1: you can't you can't talk about celebrity Norwich fans without
0: mentioning Stephen Fry uh,
1: this is very true yeah and and one thing to look out for over the international break and and this is non well sort of football related on the 4th of October a very key European ruling going to be made uh, about what rights consumers have to buy uh, their football and who from and I know this sounds very dull but it could be absolutely massive bombshell in European football and the Premier League football so at the moment the broadcasters are taking uh, one publican to court uh, and it's gone through a few phases of court and it's up to the European level now and uh, if publicans at the moment can and in England can only buy from Sky and it's extremely expensive for, for a public can cost up to say £30,000 uh, by an annual license so not not quite like our £40 a month uh, for our home licences. Uh, this particular publican bought a, a card from a Greek supplier uh, pointing his big European dish towards the relevant satellite and got the Greek feed and was showing that and uh, and he got sued for it and uh, his argument is that it's an open market uh, Europe European being a single market and uh, he should be able to buy his football off whomever he likes and it looks very much like uh, the smart money is on the European commission european courts here going uh, his way and that could uh, have a devastating effect on the next round of uh, premier league bidding rights and so on and it came in the week that Ferguson said that united had shook hands with the tv devil uh, and he also said we haven't made enough money off international rights and both of those could be blown out of the water by this decision october the fourth could be very interesting
0: uh, Yeah, so if you haven't seen it, and you have access to it. Twenty-four minute interview with the boss on the BBC website. Really, really fantastic interview. Very interesting. It's done by Gordon Burns, who's a northwest journalist who's retiring, and he's sort of very warm towards him actually, and quite respectful. It's nice to see, and and there's some real genuine insight, and you know his enthusiasm for the game is is just extraordinary at this at this point. We'll no doubt be talking about that when we celebrate his goal his silver jubilee uh, in a couple of weeks.
1: Time. that that's right yeah it's incredible really really incredible the man and i am um, well sneak sneak preview of this month's rant monthly which i'm hoping to get out on october the 1st as i promised everyone that interview with uh salford born red uh chris eccleston if you're a, a fan of doctor who you'll remember him who uh, says that when Fergie retires we we ought to erect a statue alongside sir matt busby because he's been that important to the club and uh, i don't think anyone would disagree with that
0: no i think that's an absolute given isn't it i think the only debate is kind of who's going to sculpt it. There isn't, there isn't. I wonder if Gary Neville will do that. Did you know, I found out an interesting fact today, Gary Neville's Teletubby House is being used as a really pref- uh, significant example of case law in terms of building environmentally friendly houses within the Green Belt in England. I I
1: did know this. I've been following it, yes. He appeared himself in front of the planning committee. A- and was praised for it in in terms of his presentation. Yeah, right? so there's all these, there's all these transcripts.
0: Of Gary Neville's appearance at the planning committee. This is a funny old world, isn't it?
1: If you're a if you're a fan of that kind of thing, not only is it interesting architecture, but interesting what uh, Neville's trying to do, because because he's uh, in a way using some of the laws that are allowed, have allowed uh, over the last decade or so for giant mansion-like houses to be built in the green belt. And and it's been very controversial because there's been this general feeling that if you have enough money, you can build whatever the hell you like. And uh, but Neville's doing something very different here because he's, he's obviously an eco-friendly house that he's trying to build here. And uh, so a very interesting case that's uh, going through.
0: He's a good lad, is Gary Neville. And do you know he's only ever been in Sir Alex Ferguson's house once. That's one more time than you and me. Yeah, that's true. Actually, good point. And on that note, uh, I'll speak to you. Well, I'm sure I'll speak to you some point in between then and now, but. We'll have another one of these recorded conversations which we put on the internet and for some reason people choose to listen to uh, in a fortnight's time. We'll see you all then. See you then.